You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordics region. I'm Gemma, I help connect business with tech talent and today I'm your host. Welcome to another instalment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today, I'm joined with Marcus, Sebastian and Danilo. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room and introduce ourselves. Marcus, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, so my name is uh, Marcus and I'm working as a freelancer at Diversify right now. Usually market myself as a freelancing director of engineering because I can decide my own title, uh, I guess. Uh, It's not my title at Diversify right now, though. And uh, I'm passionate about learning Rust as a programming uh, language for the future and uh, building my own tech community called uh, monadium.org. I try to help right now. I I focus uh, on getting jobs for junior developers. So that's me. Perfect. Sebastian, would you like to go next? Sure. Uh, my name is Sebastian, uh, and I work for Free Trade right now as a uh, engineering manager, um, trying to affect culture there, which I uh, is one of my passions to have a good engineering culture, but also overall culture. Having lived in in uh, in other countries and worked with many different uh, nationalities, I find that that part of of software engineering is uh, interesting to me right now. But uh, traditionally, I'm a Microsoft ecosystem focused engineer who has now had to refocus on more open source and node and and things like that, which is very, very interesting. Perfect. And Danilo? Well, uh, my name is Danilo. I'm a backend developer at Nardk Entertainment Group. Actually, uh, with more focus on uh, market expansion initiatives there. And uh, besides technology, I play so I play some musical instruments, and I have a, an album uh, released on Spotify. So yeah, if you type my name there, uh, it's a bit I don't know embarrassing, but yeah, do that. That's it from me. Perfect. I don't think it's embarrassing at all. It's quite a good ha- hobby to have. Um, so now we've established a bit of context on each of you, let's move on to focus on the topic. So you've each outlined a question or a statement on how to operate an effective work-life balance. As usual, I'll work around the room asking you for each to pose your question and the reasons behind it, as well as give each of you the opportunity to talk about it a little bit more. Um, Danilo, should we start with you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, actually, my, uh, my question is regarding like the, the personal perspective uh, about how do we feel like uh, allowed to have a proper like time for our life, let's say besides work. So my question is, do we feel, do we need to feel productive at work to allow ourselves to have a proper time to rest or to have fun? So uh, is it connected actually? Uh, I will start with my own uh, perspective about that because uh, when I chose this uh, question, it was quite personal because I feel this pressure of, okay, um, when I'm working uh, and I finish something that I work, I feel, for example, that I sleep better than I, I have like a more quality time with my family because I'm not like that connected anymore with something that is going on at the office. But when I don't know, I have something not accomplished yet, I know that uh, perhaps my 
my time with my family it's not that quality because I, i'm still connected with that like thinking about it and sometimes uh also like doing free extra hour uh, or, or overtime for, for the company because i'm, I'm still working uh, besides uh i'm not working anymore so yeah that's uh why i asked that so i, I really i'm really looking forward to hear you guys about it feeling effective versus being effective i think that, that we need to kind of separate those two the more folks who are on like feeling that we did good um we might get into situations where we try to like front to our boss or colleagues that look i'm doing this important thing over here i'm doing something that matters and then we go home and feel good about it but it's more complex than that like be, for a company to be effective you have to have some level of risk uh, uh, where some things need to fail uh, for for the success to be substantial and if 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 you go home after failing and feel successful that's kind of weird like i i wouldn't want to do that either so i, I do think that we need to somehow accept that what we do at work if it's effective or not, should not matter when we go home. Of course, you can feel a bit sad or, or, or whatever, but I think we need to be a bit more effective of leaving work at the door. Uh, personally, I write a journal that really helps me. So um, as a programmer, we write commit messages, right? And for each activity that I do, I actually write it in a markdown file and I commit it to a, a private repository. At the end of, of the day, I share that log to a, a, a closed group that can read it, but I do it for myself. So when I, um, especially since I work from home, when I do send that message with, with my daily log and what I have done, then I feel that I have some kind of closure. And, and especially the tough days, it's easier for me to say like, look, it's been a shitty day. And I feel proud that I went through that. Hopefully I can succeed tomorrow, but I, I can still feel like I, I accomplished and, and finished something and then uh, close the door to my work, go up uh, to the kitchen and, and start doing something else. Um, so, so for me, I, I do see a danger of focusing too much on looking and feeling effective versus actually accomplishing impact for the company. Right. I think that's a that's a great uh, great point. Uh, I would like to take it to another or from another angle because that's a that's a company cultural thing which is very important, but that's not always something you can affect like at least not fast. So I I want to take it from the perspective of the person uh, themselves, uh, and in in that regards, I'm always thinking about uh, you know is it productiveness because usually what haunts in a way an engineer is a problem like maybe uh, not the guilt of being productive or not but like you have an unfinished problem that's still circulating in your head so if you can do uh, something uh, as smart uh, as marcus said like to have a, a real log where you have closure that's a great way to do it Another way is to maybe just try to wrap up what you're doing, make sure that what you're working on is small chunks of work. So you can really say, you know, started, ended, and and maybe like 
most engineers I work with dream about code. Like we we solve uh, problems in our sleep, and that could be okay as long as it's not burdensome. Uh, and I, I learned probably with uh, experience over the years how to to draw that line in the sand. But in the beginning, uh, it's harder. And I think that might be natural. Um, I think all the the known high performers we know about, like Michael Jordan in his documentary, when he didn't perform good one day, he probably went to the gym in the night and just shot 500 more hoops. So I think uh, that is a natural way to respond if you're if you have a winner mentality. So you just need to balance that out and feel like is that something I can keep doing or do I need to have this very good clear boundary uh, on when to stop and uh, and create that that boundary for yourself like now the work stops and now it ends even in the small units of of work not just the day that's a great perspective and daniel do you have anything else to add yeah actually uh this approach that uh marcus and sebastian uh commented about uh, is yeah it, it's interesting and it reminds me something that uh uh, in my previous experience, I, I've been uh, the leader of the, uh, in, in, uh, the engineering team there. And uh, I use it to celebrate small victories with the team, uh, especially to set this small and, uh, I don't know, smaller, but uh, frequent uh, closures during the, past, during the path towards like the bigger uh, goal. So it makes sense like this um this disclosures not only regarding like okay uh, how a product is being developed but also regarding like how you feel or how you face your i don't know your tasks uh, after a tough day for example so yeah disclosures pr probably are a good approach to disconnect to the to the work so uh, Sebastian or and Daniela, do, do any one of you celebrate failures? No. I would say yes, uh, all the time because, or actually I don't categorize, I got that interview questions a few times and I don't really categorize it as a failure. The only failure I usually say, either you succeed or you learn and everything else is a failure. So as long as you can see something not conventionally succeeding as a learning opportunity uh, then it's not a failure yeah and building on that I, I think that i tend to optimize for learning not not producing output if i want to reach uh, there's there, there, jeff Patton has a language between like output outcome impact i won't go into it but just like uh, 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 so for me uh, learning is is something that i optimize for and by optimizing for that i think that success will come and and the, the features will come like you can't just keep on learning without producing something you need to create something to keep on learning to push you forward so i think that celebrating failures and i, I agree with sebastian like uh, uh, if you look at the semantics you can actually celebrate learnings uh, it depends on on the context. I think what people prefer to use as a word. And do you guys do you guys think that this feeling of uh, I don't know continuous learning is something that helps you guys to I don't know uh, 
balance this like work and life and disconnecting from work feeling productive perhaps that's a good question uh, i haven't thought about it in that way but i guess that um, <clears throat> you know the question your question was phrased as uh, do we need to feel productive so maybe just thinking about when it's not going well as a learning might add to that bucket of productivity but i, I admit uh, that i'm sort of a competitive person so i definitely understand you know that you're a day of things not going well f still feels painful so i think with a personality you have to like rewind uh, look at the day and think like okay yeah today was really bad like I, I didn't produce anything i was just fighting with the compiler or some uh, you know uh, in uh, some server or whatever and and then look at it really like introspectively like but i did learn something from it and the longer you're in the career the more you feel like okay uh, i recognize this pattern you know with my colleagues uh, and i'm very grateful to just tell them like oh don't do that do this and then know like oh i actually saved them like one or two days of work with my previous pain now i just also like i don't want to overstress the fact that i'm just like sending off a message and then like i don't think about work anymore um i think if you work with the creative problem I think, uh, as, as Sebastian said, like if you have an unfinished problem, that will haunt most developers. And I think that's true for most creative uh, or where you work with your brain. Um, and what I've learned from cr the creative process, if you want to be <laughs> effective for real, then you need to let go because the brain needs to relax and, and, and process it as like a background task, a latent uh, processing so when you get too stuck that's when you get coffee or take like a toilet break whatever go for a walk like do something and if you can do that and feel that you're doing something effective then it's also simpler when you get into a hard problem and say like hey i can actually leave work early and do effective work and i'm not saying that that's what what everyone should do when they get into a hard problem but sometimes that's what we need to do step away from the problem and have that latent process kick in and and then get back into action uh, later on and the diary actually helps the brain to relax you can get that effective uh, latent processing as well i think what you're saying marcus is very proven by the fact that so many engineers uh, solve so many problems in their sleep and, and and wake up because you completely just drop it you pick it up at four o'clock or whatever in the morning and you're like oh yeah that's super easy that's how you fix it that's great yeah. oh sorry Carry on, yeah and one, one last thing i would add is as well that um when the tension increases and you get more stressed you get less effective and then uh, I, I find myself getting that situation when I work in isolation. So that's something if, if I'm leading a team and someone is working on a hard problem, I usually want to start the day uh, pairing on that problem, even though it, it might seem like a waste of time. Just sharing the pain is extremely important to build the team 
uh, and the team is what, what creates the effectiveness, not the individuals. Um, so, so I do think it's uh, when you get stuck, you, you don't have to like sit next to each other grumbling, but just like sharing that pain can create comfort and get get a bit more like relaxed, the, the, the programmer in a more relaxed state. Uh, and that can also increase effic effectiveness. And again, you can leave the work behind a bit more, uh, uh, yeah, easier. I'd like to go back a, a bit because, uh, I mean, uh, this learning perspective is interesting. Uh, I'd like to share with you guys something that happened to me because, I don't know, five years ago, maybe, I was very, very, I don't know, not pushing myself to, I don't know, improve in my career, let's say. And then all, I mean, all the free hours, all the free time that I have, I use it to, I don't know, online courses, language courses, I don't know, building like side uh, projects and so. And I, re I remember that I was uh, talking to like um, a colleague in that time. And uh, he said, like, oh, have you seen that game that uh, was released? And I said, no, I don't have time to, to play video game, you know. And then he said, like, why not? Then I explained that I, I want to put my, my extra time to succeed, let's say, because I, I need it. And then he said, but don't, don't you agree that uh, if you are doing something something pleasant for you, as for example, playing a video game, is it, is out, it's also bringing some learnings for, for you? And then I, I, yes, perhaps, yes. So perhaps uh, from this learning perspective, now talking to you guys, it, uh, it's clearer for me now that uh, this feeling of like, okay, I need to be productive. It's uh, a bit pushy, but if we think like, okay, I'm doing something that will like, for example, clear my mind and perhaps help me to solve the problem quicker, or I don't know, uh, learn something else that I'm not planning to learn, but it's still some learning. Uh, yeah, I, 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 it's somehow relieving. So yeah, that's a pretty nice way to see things. It's a good perspective. Anybody want to add anything on what Danielle has said? No, lovely. So should we move on to Sebastian's question? Sure thing. Uh, so the the question I came in to the discussion with was basically uh, how do you measure if you're successful at managing work-life balance? And with that, I mean you can measure your success with work-life balance on the negative end over a period of time that you're not doing it well because you're really suffering from it. But how do you know that you're on the right path so you don't uh, discover that you're on the wrong path when it's too late. When we measure something, it kind of like it's a distilled representation. It's a model of of something that is real, uh, um, and we use that simplified model, kind of like a map. Like it's handy, you can hold it, uh, and it represents the real world, but less complex. Um, so creating measurements to somehow have a simple model to know if you're succeeding at, at life is an open-ended question and it's not like uh, succeeding at life it's not like you, you play monopoly and then you everything goes back in a box uh, okay we go 
back into a box sooner or later, unfortunately, but then we're, we're not like we're done. Um, so then I, I think that the closest thing I found to, uh, is, is to start reading. Uh, there's a bunch of great uh, books on philosophy uh, through Audible, great courses. And just checking like the old work from from the Greek philosophians, damn, I don't know that English word, uh, philosophers, um, and somehow there's a difference. Like, do you want to live a, a, a good life or a happy life? And there can be some kind of difference. And getting children, for example, I have two young children. I'm tired all the time, man, and I'm overweight and and like not as healthy as could be, but I feel that I uh, have, have a more balanced life. So, so I, I don't think it's possible to measure it overall, but I do think that there's some fundamentals that we can measure. Eat, sleep, train. Get that to work and measure it if you can. But outside of that, I, I don't think we should. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, a, a, I don't know, tough, tough um, question. Not uh, yeah. I think it's tough to to measure. I don't think we can like uh, put metrics on on that. It's uh, I believe it's indeed not uh, something that we can count. But um, after you realize that you didn't succeed, it's easier to see that you are doing well afterwards like i mean um probably uh, all of us um could have like uh, times that we uh, didn't manage very well the work-life balance put, putting too much effort on work and uh leaving things uh, like personal things uh, behind and after you realize that you are doing that it's easier to see that now you are i mean it it's it's not that easier, but it's easier to spot that now you are paying attention on things that you were missing previously. So this is what happening, what's happening with me right now, for example. Like, um, as I said, like some years ago, I was like striving. But now I see that I have time. For example, I said that I, I play some instruments like after a tough day. I used to go there and, I don't know, play drums randomly for 30 minutes or so, and it clears my mind. Or, or sometimes, for example, now I'm trying to be more healthy, so I cook every day. And this, I don't know, one hour of cooking also clears my mind. So I, I noticed that I'm doing things that previously I wasn't. Like I, I, I was only ordering food every day and so. So, I mean, it's not a, it's not a way to measure, but I can perceive that I, I'm doing better now. Because that's sort of the, the problem that I'm uh, seeing because we're talking about how do you manage a, a work-life balance? And if we don't know what success is, then it's hard to say that we know how to do it. Uh, I had colleagues when I uh, lived and worked in Germany, they have a certain mindset, speaking of cultures, that is uh, a little bit more extreme, uh, some of them at least, uh, when it comes to work. And yeah, I had colleagues who, when starting to work from home, <clears throat> their uh, 
private life and their professional life blended together because they were like working in their kitchen. So every time they walk into the kitchen, they basically walked in to the office, which meant that when they cooked, they were cooking in the office and, uh, you know, in the evenings when they were in the or in the living room, even worse. Um, every time they were chillaxing on the couch, uh, they were actually at work just taking a five minute break mentally. Uh, and and one of the guys started realizing this that it affected his sleep and uh, his mood and things like that. So that's that's the negative side. And if you let it go too far, you know, you can burn out. And that's a hard lesson you can learn from that. But some people take a long time to recover. So the question is like, how do you know that you're on the right path and not the wrong one? Okay, but then, then it's more. Uh, then I understand because then it's not optimizing life, like because you can measure so many things, and then like there should be no illusion that you, if you maximize these bars, these correct bars, then you automatically have a happy life or a good life, work-life balance, whatever you call it. And because that's what I feel is impossible. But as I said, like you can measure how well you sleep uh, uh, i think there's like rings you have on your finger that can measure some some things that actually work pretty well uh the company that that i work for have like uh breathalyzers that uh, uh measure your acetone level uh, and see if you can, are on a uh, fat burning level uh, and uh, so th there are a lot of things that you can do to get those basics and those fundamentals right uh, and if, if you have those, if you have sleep, you have training, like exercise, and, and uh, uh, you, you eat well, then you can go up a step and look at, at self-fulfillment and start thinking about, like, what do I actually want to do with my life? And, and uh, <sighs> that's the harder thing. Like, that's when I start going into, for my sake, philosophy for example, and, and, and uh, start listening to the great thinkers that already has gone down that path to find the happy life. Um, but as long as you're not burning out, like we do have some variance. I, I don't think that uh, when we talk about work-life balance, I don't think that we should see it as, as you find each day the same. I don't think you can stay happy that way. So uh, uh, for me, it's a work-life dynamic. Uh, more like it and, and the fundamentals need to stay at the same level but sometimes you you need to be a bit more social sometimes you need to <laughs> put up a shelf <laughs> sometimes you need to do uh, other things and th those dynamics ne need to move around and uh, exchange places as long as the fundamentals uh, uh, are taken care of i you know listen to you guys i i think i just thought about something because um I mean, it's indeed measurable that uh, we are having like, uh, I don't know, better quality of uh, sleep or eating better, I don't know, healthier and so. But it, it of course, is not uh, the only thing to, I don't know, to make us uh, feel, I don't know, uh, happy. And um, I was thinking about uh, like how to measure if we, that's the question, actually, how to measure. And uh, I'm thinking like, I, I, I'm, I don't know yet how it is here in Sweden, but um, 
uh, I'm Brazilian myself, so uh, in Brazil, um, people there, like it's culturally normal that you define your success with your, for example, current role or your current achievement in your work. So if you're a businessman, if you are a director, so many people dream of being manager, for example, because it's a kind of status. And uh, I think perhaps a good measurement of, um, I don't know, how to be to, to see that work and life is really, I don't know, actually balanced, is that we don't define our success in personal life uh, with something connected to work. For example, Marcos just said like, okay, now I'm a father. So this is an achievement, or I don't, I, I don't know if it's an achievement, but I mean, uh, it's a, a, something that brings happiness that it's not connected to work or what you do or something like this. So perhaps we can measure, measure if we are successful balancing work and life, if we have things in life that's not connected to work that we are proud of. Yeah, I mean, I, I can build on that and just say like, for me, I think that work can be your your passion. I, I, I remember it was a documentary talking about the, the, the people that uh, were the most happy like across the globe and lived long, happy life. And it's like the most important thing for long lives were like, don't overeat, eat enough. And, and that's it. Um, and there's they also took as an example that what's your purpose for going up from bed in the morning? Like, what's your purpose? If you have that purpose, the clear purpose for, for why do you go, go up every morning, then you will be happier in life. And that's something that I think goes kind of hand in hand, hand, in hand. like, do you really want to go up every morning and, and, and uh, just be successful at work? Is, is that it? Usually you see like, yeah, you have three uh, perspectives, like what you perceive yourself as what others perceive yourself as and what you think that other perceive yourself as and and all those three perspectives might be important to feel good about yourself um yeah i don't know if i'm going somewhere with that but but i think that no matter what you need to have a clear purpose in life and, and just be proud of that and then i think that other people will be proud of you as well uh, and you will gain that status even if you don't have like a manager title. No, absolutely. And maybe this uh, this is I don't know explains, for example, how companies right now are like more and more trying to sell this like vision and mission more than values. For example, for for I don't know employees because it's perhaps connecting the goals of the company as I don't know. Uh, for the society and for the, from the market with your personal goals and then maybe bringing this connection like uh, it's not like only I don't know I'm working for this company no I'm I'm, I'm working for this company to achieve something bigger so yeah that's that totally makes sense. Sebastian do you have anything else to add? No wonderful um, should we move on to Marcus's question then? All right, uh, scrolling here. Uh, where do we draw the line between working hours and out of work? Is the line the same for everyone in the organization? So I cheated with uh, had 
two questions. Um, but it's kind of like finding that line b between out of work and work. And uh, um, for me, I've been working six hours working days since I started doing startups more or less the entire time. Uh, sometimes for uh, eight hours work, they pay checks and sometimes for reduced paychecks, uh, about 50-50. And uh, the reason why I did that was because I felt that the companies that I worked for didn't take responsibility for my education and career. So to get ownership of my own career, uh, I wanted time to take like uh, um, courses with, with the people from Silicon Valley, like during uh, night courses and, and learn from the best and, and uh, put in that extra effort. But I couldn't do that and maintain the rest of my life. Like I, you, my brain just quits if I need to like sit, sit uh, through eight hours of work and then during the night uh, some course. So I kind of shifted the line myself, but then I started like thinking that, wait, when I hear investors talk about the founders that I worked for, it's like, they, 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 the investors wanted the, the founders to read books because the books were important for them to learn and, and, and build the company the right way. And I've never read a book during office hours except for when I, I, I did Microsoft certificates. That's like the only time. Um, so then I started thinking about like, wh where do you draw the line? And for me, it seems to me that the more senior role I have, the more control I have of what I can include inside of what counts as work. Meaning that I don't, now that I'm more senior, I don't actually have to work six hour working days because I can just include everything that when I was more junior, that I couldn't, that got excluded by the company because uh, I was not empowered to, to dictate. Um, so what do you think? Is, is, do you think that uh, it, it, from your experience that the, the, the line shifts depending on where you are in the organization? Where do you think that line should be? I think the line shifts uh, according to expectations. So different cultures, different climates. Uh, is it an old established company like Volvo? I don't know if that's a good example, but some old, uh, older traditional company. Is it a new startup with only you know 20 people where the top management has a lot of um, responsibilities? Then I've seen that they are, you know, having to set rules to not email each other three in the morning. Uh, I've seen that in startups, and that's probably not healthy in the long run. But they have other expectations and they're probably set beforehand and they they uh, discussed it so yeah it, it depends on the culture but uh, uh, what was the other question other part of the question um, does it shift when uh, like depending on where you are in in the company i'm doing this like ver yeah. vertical uh, movement but it's yeah. kind of like horizontal or vertical yeah 
yeah, I think that that part was uh, sort of covered with that. That it it depends on the on the type of company and the and the responsibility of of the people. But yeah, being able to uh, control your own situation is of course. Uh, you know, makes things easier, uh, putting in demands. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm having a brain freeze, so I will leave the word and get back to it. Danilo? Yeah, actually, I, I have uh, mixed feelings about that because uh, the first thing that I, I don't know, I, I think it's a, a shortcoming of this is, I mean, not the question, I mean, the situation. Uh, the bad part is that uh, sometimes, of course, it depends on the company, but sometimes the company would say like, okay, if the company pays for you to study, so the company chooses what you should read or study. So this is something I'd like to avoid. Of course, I would like to have time during my, I don't know, working hours to uh, read a book or I don't know, test a new programming language. Of course I would. Uh, and I, I like it, but uh, I'm not sure how the, I, I can sell this uh, to the company. But in the other side, I, I would say the bright side, uh, if we go back again to that learning as a goal uh, thing, uh, perhaps studying could be like a way to solve problems. Uh, for example, uh, I, I had uh, the opportunity um, to have, for example, some uh, some backlog items in, I don't know, uh, not only in the backlog, but also in sprints that are uh, that were discovery items. So for example, oh, we'd like to, I don't know, log something into a new kind of database, let's say like a time series one, and then uh, a time series one. And then uh, we discovered that the team doesn't have this ability, this skill, the technical skill. So we put there this, uh, I don't know, thing that this item on sprint and the team had this sprint for example to explore to try it and of course a, a, a sprint uh, a backlog uh, i'm sorry a sprint backlog item should have an outcome so the outcome is the learning so yeah we have done that uh, previously but it was completely strict to what the team needed in that time so the scope was closed and i believe that the the this I don't know this line shifts uh, upwards to the to the CEO because the CEO probably chooses what to to I don't know to to read or to learn so it's not narrowed for him or for her of course but I mean uh, for I don't know for more lower levels I mean like analysts or programmers or, or so it's completely attached to the context that is, the team is living so. Yeah, I, I think it's beautiful, but uh, compli complicated. Okay, I've gathered my thoughts. I think it's a, a, a issue of uh, of investment and, and from many sides. It's a, a question about investment from the company. If you come in and you're you're young, the company will have to decide on how they want to invest in you, right? So that that's set by the culture. Do you want to... Uh, spend one day a week on learning then that person will probably uh, grow a lot quicker than if if not uh, and then you can during your your recruitment of people try to find these kind of self-starters that uh, invest a lot of their own time but you need to you can identify that during the recruitment process to see 
how much the person uh, invests in themselves uh, and then complement that and, and look at how much time you have to put into that person because it depends on, on the company where they are is it a startup that needs to go to market you know within x time or they will fail they will fall behind and maybe there's not enough time to to invest in people so it's just like with with anything that's an investment in yourself like if you uh, if you stay healthy and you uh, you eat right your your mind will be more focused right so you're doing an, an investment to perform yourself better uh, i remember when before i had a, a you know family and a, a child uh, i actually invested in knowledge in a ridiculous level uh, for egotistical reasons to make my everyday job easier like i, I could plow hours many hours every evening learning some new technology but i knew that that would save me weeks or more uh, in time knowing that technology above something i knew before so i think it's an investment question uh, and that goes with the with the hierarchy thing so the higher up you are the company is probably more keen on on investing in you and then it's up to you to find a culture where uh, they give you time during work to invest in yourself uh, and you agree upon that depending on your your life situation all right so hmm. Given that I mostly work for smaller startups, and I've I've kind of seen the effect of junior people working hard but not smart, uh, because that's usually what startups like. There's some kind of glorification when it comes to to hacking all night long, and uh, I would say that it's uh, on a time scale from weeks to months not years before you got uh, get a, like a diminishing return of of, uh, of of each hour you put in uh, uh, over time because when you uh, people get uh, like lose those fundamentals of eat sleep train uh, the, the the code quality goes down and people kind of mentally also check out and they stop questioning things uh, uh, they just build outputs that don't produce an outcome and then we need to maintain that code without uh, it bringing in any value. And for a startup, like an early phase startup, I've seen so many cases where, where it's almost something that kills the company. And usually you, you, you tend to do a bit of smart work. Uh, but that company culture, like th that we talk about, like I see it as a problem. I don't, I don't think that sm small scale startups uh, that have that work hard but not smart uh, mentality and that doesn't uh, uh, invest in learning because they can't afford it. I, I think that they are de-optimizing. I think that they could move a lot faster if um, you gave people time to learn deeply uh, about the, the, the few things that they need to do right now you don't have to learn a new programming language. You just need to know, like, for example, front-end React. Like, everybody in, in front-end, or like 90%, can do something in React. But I wonder how many percent of those have deep knowledge about React. I don't. I worked with it for, I don't know, I don't know if it's like four or five years or whatever. 
I basically did Angular 1 and then just transitioned over to React and I never bothered to learn it deeply. Because I never get to, to, to go to, the, since I, I work with those, like, work hard startups. We basically just npm install someone else's code and patch it together and, and get bugs and accept it. And then we slow down and we accept it. Uh, and then we get mad after two years. And, and now that's where I focus uh, uh, as a freelancer to, to actually get people out of that like work hard mentality uh, because they need to scale up and get more money. And now they actually have to pay back tech debt. And then now I need to work with people like, how are you feeling today? It's an important question. Did you sleep well? It's an important question. Um, training and eating, not so much, but sleeping. That for me is like one of the most recurring questions. The people are not sleeping enough, and then I can't work with them during the workday. Um, so th that work hard mentality, I don't see it working. Not for, not for, for programmers in programming teams. And I don't know if Danilo and Sebastian we have other experiences, because I know that of course there are people who can just go in, go mad, and produce 80 hours per week. Could be. Uh, I've had different uh, experiences, but I think it could be uh, uh, like you mentioned earlier, Marcus, with the pr uh, creative versus productive uh, part of your brain, right? So productive, like just slamming the keyboard and producing code, I think it uses a different part of your brain than being creative, and that's why you want to go and play some foosball or ping pong or just you know leave the context. And I think that's where the nuances start to come in because I know before uh, before I had a family, which also takes away a lot of my time, um, and still is programming is still one of my hobbies, and that makes it a lot easier because then you can plow down a lot of spare time because it, it's not the same burden as hacking code uh, or producing code for for you know a company. Uh, and I think it also varies. That's why companies sell their vision and mission to give that inclusiveness, to give that intrinsic drive. And I think, again, the difference uh, between work and not work is, you know, as the as Confucius said, choose a job you love and you'll never have to work a day in your life. So hobby projects, usually I can, you know, work all night on and not feel like drained more than the loss of sleep, uh, worst case but it doesn't have the same drainage as if you're just on the on the line uh, producing the next uh, website in a factory for something that has no meaning. So I think that that's another dimension uh, of things that, that makes the work-life uh, balance even more blurry because, yeah, it, it's different different factors and different drivers and different drainage on your energy. Yeah, I feel, I mean, um, maybe some years ago, eight, eight years probably, I could say that uh, I work at like for 80 hours uh, a week and uh, felt like very productive and so. Uh, I felt this uh, glorification of hard working, let's say. And um, on the other hand, I feel that nowadays, even though I don't... Uh, produce code for, I don't know, eight hours per week, uh, I deliver more value because I understand more the context. And I, of course, I sharpened my skills. But I mean, um, it's 
it's I really believe in on that uh, Marco said uh, like working smarter not harder so yeah and um, it's uh, it, it's interesting because uh, I, I'd like to come back a bit on the top uh, on the topic of uh, how the organization expects I don't know from you some things and how how can we like be free to choose what to do with this ex I don't know free free time that we are talking about like I don't know uh, for example this topic permits a bit controversial because nowadays we see that uh, we don't have the time for example to study during my working hours but of course we have like quarter or I don't know quarter quarterly goals for or improvement points and of course we have uh, not of course but often we have like a kind of improvement plan that requires you to I don't know, for example learn more react or I don't know do more something or I don't know sharpen your communication skills but in these plans I never seen for example I don't know uh, more books during work hours of course the company sometimes offers you to pay a course for you that's that, that happens but they don't pay the time for you to do this course. So yeah, that's uh, interesting. I, I have never seen, even though uh, I was like working like eight hours uh, per week. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it's interesting. It's kind of weird though, because I think that that's what, what cooks down for me, uh, especially working as a freelancer, the, the hours I work are really important because they, they equate to money. Uh, uh, even more when you freelance than uh, as a uh, employee for the company. And when we look at uh, look at the upcoming gig economy, um, I don't believe in it, but I'm living it because I just feel that we're doing so much ineffective, old school kind of uh, management of how we manage people that they need to produce as much as possible during the, their eight hours. But I can't for my life find the management material that, that, that they are basing that those decisions on, that that's an effective way to drive the company. And that, that's my main issue here. Like if we go back to quality management, I, I've learned to make sure that they have a buffer. So when, when something goes wrong, you have something extra to take from. And, uh, having those like 10%, 25%, whatever you have for doing something else um, can create a buffer where you, uh, the programmer or the team can look ahead and say, okay, we might need more skills for, for, for doing great graphs, or we need to learn how to produce code that isn't buggy. And that will be uh, important in the coming year. Now we, we can create a buffer now with 25% time or 10% time, whatever. Um, so that when we get into that uh, foreseeable future, we're in a good spot. And if we don't do that, then what's the alternative? Then you're at, uh, at that spot. You have not invested in that buffer. Where's the effectiveness now? And that's what I see like year two or three uh, in, in the successful startups that they usually have, they need to scale out to different countries and they copy paste their marketing pages. Classic. I've seen that like a bunch of times. Um, and 
I, I, I just don't see it. Uh, I can't see anyone doing the case that, yeah, that was effective. Uh, like someone standing at year three and saying that was the right choice. I don't, I just don't see it, but we keep on doing it. Um, and maybe it's just my rant here. I, I, I don't know. I think that, that there's a, a substantial better way to do it. And I think that Sebastian, for example, has done it. Uh, I, I know that you have done the 10% thing, right? I yeah. mean, would you say that you wouldn't recommend it for, for example, for a early day startup? Would that be a bad idea? It depends. So it's hard, hard to be very black and white about it. Uh, for any company that is looking for a long-term success, I think it's it's very important. But there are pragmatic, uh, what's it called? depths you have to take right like just like technical depth you have to take knowledge depth when it makes sense and the depth is only about uh, you know taking a shortcut now that you have to pay off later so it doesn't mean that you just uh, you cannot max out your credit card and then be like oh yeah i have so many nice things and but now i don't have to pay back the credit card and uh, somewhere along the line the the, the payback is due so the question is, you know, are you going to run the startup company hard for two years and then just freeze for three years uh, to clean up that two year push mess? And that probably will not work. So what I see uh, in other startups that has been successful and the one that I work at now uh, before my time, their tactic was to hire extremely good engineers that was really like full full stack in a ridiculous way that they didn't really need like big training and if they needed it they did it on their own time because it was their interest uh, it was their uh, their hobby so it wasn't hard for them to also push that in so but it's a it's a uk startup there are 10 times more people than sweden different culture different mindset uh, so uh, i've seen similar things in sweden like that that is, but then you need to find you know 10 superstars and that's a lot harder than finding three superstars and filling up with 20 more non-superstars so you, you have to weigh what kind of culture you want do you want to push push uh, 16 hours per day culture or uh, a more balanced long-term culture because if you do the very hard pushing culture there's a lot bigger chance that your stars will start breaking. So it's it's all a a big complex equation. Uh, I do feel as well that it's a race towards the bottom because you're you're increasing the uh, the risk. Like each individual startup um, that pushes the, the, the superstars that already have enough knowledge for for the next two or three years. Like they can be pushed really hard in, into production mode. And uh, I still don't think that it makes sense. But when you look at, at, at the, uh, the startup as a big economy, uh, global economy, people taking stupid chances, stupid risks, some of them will succeed. And they will do that by sacrificing their own stars. Because they, they they need to like put in those hours outside of work uh, compared to, and of course this is by my definition, because I want to have those hours included in work. Uh, 
So from my from my perspective, it's sacrificing. For for someone else, it's normal, uh, and I accept those differences. Uh, I do think that they will burn out in some way. Maybe not not in, in the official burnout sense, but uh, for me, I, I've been that superstar. And as I said, I need to drop. I'm 39 years old and need to drop like 20 kilos. Uh, 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 I have a good angle on the camera now, so so, so might not uh, look like it. And uh, it's hard. That's hard. Uh, so health-wise, I've accepted uh, over time that I've sacrificed myself. And what have I gained from it? The main thing that I've done is bringing more money to other people somewhere else. And that's the interesting thing here. If you look at it as an economy, we, uh, uh, each individual startup, uh, according to me, are making bad choices because uh, at a global scale, some of them will succeed even though they make those bad choices. And those become our role models because it's always simpler to work hard. Working smart is more complex as, as, as we're kind of discussing now. <laughs> and uh, so it looks like we have uh, this work hard mentality working just because we have so many uh, opportunities for, for seeing those companies succeed. And we're just burning out people. Like those superstars should have their own piece of the cake and then we should pay for those hours that they, they invest for the company. And if they invest hours outside of work, they're not getting compensated. We're putting that money in the pocket of the, the investors instead. And we're transferring money and power to other people. So I, I, I find it unethical and we're just burning out people. They're better choices. Uh, go on, Sebastian. Actually, I have a, a kind of challenge about this, but go on. Thank you. Yeah, I, I think uh, you make a really good point, Marcus. And I think as an experienced engineer, that makes a lot of sense. I think there might be a gray zone for maybe newcomers that uh, you see it as a sacrifice to put in your spare time. And I I cannot say that I don't agree. Like I, I agree quite a lot. Uh, but I think as maybe more junior people should see it as an investment because it will like really pump their uh, chances and their career quite a lot. Uh, but yeah, getting more older and wiser it does make a lot of sense and uh, that's something I've thought about recently as well that we we do produce a lot of uh, value uh, especially as high product or not especially as high productive but knowing what high productivity is and bringing a lot of value uh, that might not be uh, reflected as you say in reality but it, there is a dangerous uh, path to travel there because the reason that, for instance, Stack Overflow is successful is because they don't pay people to answer the questions, right? That was a very uh, conscious choice. I followed their podcast from day one when they created Stack Overflow and they said that, you know, Yahoo Answers or something like that started paying people just half a dollar or one dollar for every answer and suddenly it became a chore for people. Uh, but Stack Overflow people answer more because they don't have like a monetary value on things. So, so I'm not sure. It's probably different domains. You know, it's w when you're new, 
uh, you should see it as an investment, but when you get more experienced, I uh, definitely agree with what you say that, you know, the investment needs to go two ways, right? You start by investing in yourself and then you get uh, experienced and then uh, the company needs to invest in you to help you actually bring like really uh, a lot of value to the company. Yeah, actually the, yeah, what I'd like to add is a, a question because we have been talking like about how to put some improvement hours, let's say, or improvement activities into working hours. And now we're talking about like wrong decisions, company-wise, I mean, that I, I don't know, that's burning uh, out people. And my question for you guys is that, uh, what do you think we could do as professionals uh, to change the, because it's not, it's not only one company's good culture, actually it's the, the market. So what can we do as professionals uh, to change this situation? Uh, I think my question would connect to my, my previous question to be uh, humble, hungry and ambitious in the beginning uh, of your career and then sort of step into or no matter when in your career, but when you start feeling uh, confident that you actually uh, uh, find your own value uh, and the value that you produce uh, and uh, maybe uh, ask for something back for, for that. And, and yeah, you know, value your own time in the way that Marcus does. Like he values his time and he puts a price on it and he says that, okay, it's worth for me to only work six days, uh, sorry, six hours per day uh, to make another investment in something else. Is it, you know, the professional learning? Is it the family? Whatever, you know, know, know your worth uh, at any point. Um, just a side comment, uh, because uh, Sebastian, I, I think that I have, uh, I'm, I have, it's a long discussion about like optimizing for, for the juniors coming into work and I'm passionate about that, but, but I'm, kind of putting a lid on that discussion, looking at clock. But but uh, it's a good point to raise. It not ever, like if you compare uh, senior people to juniors, it's uh, there's a lot of different optimizations that you need to do. So I think uh, I agree with that part. And uh, Danilo, um, how can we change it, the, the current status quo? Uh, that's why I, I, I'm, uh, I mentioned my own thing. And I want to promote it, but somehow I think that we're, we have a, a company perspective coming down uh, on another opposite perspective. There's a clash between perspectives right now. We're trying to get like the the, the evil beast, uh, 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 the evil company beast, uh, uh, the beast and a baby. I don't remember the book. If someone knows, uh, it's it's a reference. Uh, uh, and the evil beast will try to like drain out everything from you as a programmer and, and just produce, 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 no learning hours at all. And the, the programmer wants to have a successful career and a long, happy life with, with some kind of work life with dynamics and all, all of that, happy life. And there's a clash. And what I'm trying to aim at uh, um, is that I think that there's a positive friction instead here. That both perspectives 
can actually describe this, the same way of working that by, by introducing learning at work, you can produce more because that's what's, what's matter. It's just that the company uh, will optimize for some simple metrics and like seeing something, some, some programmer like banging at the keyboard uh, for eight hours looks effective. It's simpler to reason about seeing someone read a book or even like go train during working hours for, for, for the health benefits. Like that is abstract. It's harder to reason about. But if we just say that we want you uh, to go to work Monday uh, through Friday and be as productive as possible in the long run. Um, I think that that's a perspective that both uh, the, the, or the entire organization and the individuals can work together and get a real nice work-life balance from. Any any ending points, or do you think that's a good place to leave it? I think it's great. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. That's been such an interesting discussion, and I think we've we've covered quite a lot of areas. Um, I just want to take the opportunity to thank Marcus, Bastian, and Danilo. You know, you've given a great insight and this topic, and also thank you to everybody else for listening.